I think it's great. That's. Oh. I think you're great. I wanted to tell a story. Tell a story on ZPR. Okay. Hey, everybody. This is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 308. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? How's my voice sound? It sound a little gruff? Yeah, you don't really sound good. <clears throat> I took a nap today. I know. On today's show, um, I'm going to share some a personal breakthrough. I don't want to call it a breakthrough. Realization. An awareness. An awareness. Um, as it took place on Friday. Maybe we'll talk about cross-generational coalitions because I've been trying to get to that for a few weeks. Maybe. And there's a few listeners' questions. And these listeners are so awesome but there's so many questions. <laughs> so many questions, so little time. Can I tell my story? Tell your story, sweetheart. So I have two stories. I have two, uh, I'll call them like kind of People Magazine stories. You the, love People Magazine. You know, you? the first one isn't really a People Magazine story so much as I was just about to tell you the story when you pushed record. So I just thought I would tell you. It's all about you know. preparation. So before we start the show, we always play a song just to kind of get into a good mood and, you know, start on a good note. And Todd, I just told Todd to play Sia's song, Cheap Thrills. And I um, was about to tell him that that song was written for Rihanna and mm -hmm. she denied it or rejected it. Denied. And that Sia's album, This Is Acting, yeah. is all of the songs that she wrote for other people that they rejected. And so she then sang them, and it's my favorite album that she's done. Well, it's there's some inspiration in that too. Like, like I love it. Like she could have said, "Oh, these songs suck," correct, or nobody likes my stuff. Yes, and I, I mean, I know that she's famous, kind of, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Has she won Grammys and all that. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe she has. Um, she's just very, she's notorious or known for not showing her face. But as far as her music. You know, this is what we were listening to before we started. See, I've never heard of this song. Well, it's fairly it's it's fairly new, meaning it's just been released as a single. Right. Um, but you know all of her other songs that I love. You know, Do she I? sings Chandelier mm. and Elastic Heart. Mm. And she sings Alive and Unstoppable. Oh, uh, How about this? You know Titanium. I don't know. Do I? I don't know. So, but you're right. It is kind of a good message in that you, you know, if, for all you songwriters out there, if you're writing a song and someone else doesn't want it, sing it yourself. It says David Guetta. I know, but I think it's Guetta. But if you play that, that's her singing the girl part. I'm nothing to lose, far away, far yeah, I've heard this. Right. I've heard it. Right. Very good. So anyway, she's... She's really good, and I've had a good. And you like her because she doesn't show her face. I, she's not, um, you know, she's the opposite of Rihanna. She is. Everybody, look at me. If I was a pop star, sweetie, you're a pop star <laughs> in my world. <laughs> Thank you. If I was, I would love to do what C is doing because basically she's saying, "I want to sing my songs. I want to be out there. I want to perform, but I do not want to lose my personal life." And some people will be like, "Well, it's a gimmick. It's maybe it is, but it's working." Yeah. And she gets to keep her personal life. Yeah. If you go and Google Sia, like before, I knew her album before the one that got really popular. Sure. They used to play it all the time at the coffee shop that I used to write at. Mm -hmm. um, and she used to show her face all the time, but once she started to become who she is. Um, she's like, I, I just don't want that kind of exposure. Recognition yeah. on the street. And she, for all of you who, you know what Coachella is? Yeah, that's the big uh, concert in California. Right. So there was there was this night that she was performing. And I think the, the headliner was supposed to be Calvin Harris. And he, you know, everyone was all excited. And she came out and did this performance that I've watched three times and it's like 25 minutes long like it's you have to invest yeah but oh my gosh she is so good really i just there's just not a lot of people like her she's just really talented so anyway so that was one of my stories what was the other one or do you want to save it well i can tell it's a parenting story um it i mean it's a let me finish the intro <laughs> are we still introducing we're still ourselves? introducing uh do, always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding and just because i kind of interrupted you we'll start with one of our partners okay. which is dr kelly from the tree of life chiropractic care 
Her website is kairotree.com. She adjusts our family in Elmhurst every other week. So if you live in the Chicagoland area, check her out, Dr. Kelly. Thanks, Dr. Kelly. All right, that's it. So you and I today, we're going to talk about a conversation that we had that was difficult. Um, and so it's kind Heavy of- Heavy and difficult. About having each other's back. And I liked this story from last week, this kind of People Magazine-ish story about John Legend and Christy Teigen, mm-hmm. who are married and they just had a baby. I can't, I don't know if it's a couple weeks ago, a month ago. I, I really didn't follow that part. Um, but they had a baby and you know what they decided to do? What? They decided to go out to dinner. Okay. Shocking, right? Yeah. So not shocking to me. They decided to go out to dinner. And then the next day, because everybody took their picture, Christy, the mom, was shamed all over Twitter Mm -hmm. for leaving her baby. How old is the baby? I don't know. A week, two weeks, three weeks. I don't know. How dare that mom go eat food so that baby can be nourished when she feeds it? Well, and here's the thing. And, and, you know, not even that. Like, part of it is eating the food. And part of it is we all know that one of the most important things after you have a baby, because, you you know, it is so overwhelming and exhausting and it is so, like, discombobulating and identity changing and everything that you have to have little pieces of normalcy, like having a dinner with your spouse. And I get it. They're famous. And of course, everyone's going to know it's them. And maybe they went out for that kind of notoriety. I don't know. I don't know what their intention was. But to me, it's like, yeah, go out to dinner. Like what it is, a couple of hours. But what what was interesting is John Legend, you will like this. He tweeted after this big hubbub where she got totally shamed. And he said, funny, there's no dad shaming. When uh-huh. both of us go out to dinner, Love it. Love it. shame both of us so Chrissy doesn't have to. Oh, it's not Christy. It's Chrissy. Okay. Sorry, everybody who's like saying, no, Kathy, her name is Chrissy. Mm. Shame both of us so Chrissy doesn't have to take it all. We'll split it. Yes. How about that? Yes. And and you love that so much because I know who you are and a lot of listeners know who you are, but we had a men's group like a few years ago. And uh-huh. I think I titled the topic of the men's group is figuring out how the hell, excuse my <laughs> language, how women think. So for the first time in any men's group, I introduced a female to the group and that was you. Yes. And I think you said, oh, I'll just talk for a few minutes and I'll come up with two things or whatever. Three. And the few minutes turned into an hour because a lot of the guys were asking questions about their own wives and what is she thinking and all that. But what I pulled out of that above all everything else is what women want is for their men to have their back. Correct. That is it. Now- it's what's the what's the deal? It's simple but not easy. It sounds simple in theory, and I think a lot of men would say, "Well, I cor- of course I have her back," but that that cognition versus the actual experience mm-hmm. of really demonstrating that you have someone's Make back them is different. Feel that. Exactly. You have their back. And that's why I use the word cognition exactly because I think a lot of men would walk around saying- Because you know, sweetie, that I do have your back. I do. But I don't always make you feel- Correct. Like I do. Correct. As evidenced by last Friday. Right. I'll do my best to summarize the story. Mm-hmm. You're going through something heavy. You're having a crappy day, mm-hmm. as everybody does. Yeah, I was having one of those like uh, everything feels like it's caving in on me. And I will pat myself- Uh, on the back a little bit because sometimes when you have, in the past when you've had crappy days or you're just feeling heavy, uh, I can kind of get a sense that you're doing it, but I wouldn't like nurture you the way that you want or needed to be nurtured. Mm -hmm. Instead, I said, well, you're having a crappy day. Get, figure out a way to get yourself through it. Get on with it. Get on with it. (laughs) I was um, proud of myself because I stopped what I was doing and I gave you a back massage and you talked and, and you felt a little bit better, but you weren't completely done with processing it. Right. And then later on that morning, um, you still had some more processing to right. do. Well, I had to go have an experience. I had to go do something that was not, you know, completely easy. And then when I came back, I was like, okay, here's my experience that I had. And I started telling you. So it's like I started off the morning feeling overwhelmed by a lot of things. And then I had to go do something difficult or to me it was difficult. And then I came home and I started sharing all the emotional waves I had been through. So uh, at that point, it was about 1220 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I just posted something on Facebook saying, we're going to do a Facebook live event mm-hmm. at 1230 today. Mm-hmm. So we had... Um, a plan for us to do answer listeners questions mm-hmm. on Facebook live. So I basically walked out of the room and started getting ready because I hadn't been ready yet. Mm-hmm. 
And then I started asking you questions like, oh, I think that this is maybe how I want to summarize, because sometimes we have to condense the questions. Right. And you said something like, well, don't you think it's more important that you and I are on the same page? Mm -hmm. And basically what I did was, what's the terminology I used in the kitchen? I basically shut it off. Right. In the kitchen. Right. Because I had another task to fill. Right. And you felt, how did you feel when I shut you down, basically? Well, you know, it's just, it's not, it's so not simple to discuss because I, it's, it's not as if you shut me down and you were like, stop talking. I walked out of the room. Uh, Yes. I was still kind of processing and I still needed feedback, even if it was, I don't mean feedback, like give me words, but like acknowledgement that, you know, I wasn't done. And you, you shut down in the sense that, like you said, you switch gears and you're like, let's go get ready for work. And the reason I said to you, don't you think it's more important to connect before we go on live Mm -hmm. is because I can't fake that kind of thing. Sure. Um, I think the reason that, that this show is fun for us is because we're really, you know, in a good space right. while we do it. And so it can be authentic and real and, and it's not, you know, it's not, uh, what's not, not, it's not disingenuous. I can't it's think of the word. Fake. It's we're, not fake. We're bringing our best selves. Our best selves. So we're do- and so when Todd's getting ready to, to articulate the question perfectly, and I'm like, I don't care about articulating a question perfectly. We're not connected right now. So then Todd- And I felt a responsibility to whatever Facebook people may have planned on this because we're trying to maybe create a sense of consistency. Not really, but I'm one of those people, if you don't know about me, is I do what I say and I say what I do. And I I am very dutiful, sometimes to a fault, like mm-hmm. I'm inflexible. And I said, no, we said, we're going to do this at 1230. We're going to do it at 1230. And you're, and you're like, well, we're not really in a good place right now to do that. Well, and I, I said that that is something, I mean- And you, like you weren't, you were feeling heavy about something aside from me, but the way I was showing up to support you wasn't meeting your needs. Right. Right. And I think- So it wasn't like an argument like, Todd, you suck because of this. You're saying, please help me. Right. It had nothing to do with you. It had nothing to do Mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, how are we supposed to go on Facebook Live when we're not connecting? And the thing is, I didn't even know that- you were done processing, or maybe you I didn't I know. chose to ignore it. Yeah, I don't know. You don't I can't know. Speak I'm, for asking, you. <laughs> I'm asking you what it. How, basically, you're like, how did I feel? Right. So, um, so, anyways, so, and I basically shut it down and said, "Let's do this." And then you're like, "Well," and then it was like twelve forty, so like ten minutes past the deadline. Well, wait a second. Go ahead. The thing that I was going to say a second ago is that you're like Todd's like. <laughs> When he said he's dutiful to a fault, I mean, there's this Facebook Live thing. We we're, we're like, oh, let's try this occasionally. Let's go on for ten minutes. We might do it on Fridays. We're not going to do it all the time, but we're going to give it a go. And it's got nothing. I mean, I definitely want to connect with people. I'm sure. not saying it's not important. I'm just saying it's nothing that is essential. Well, there's we, probably maybe three people, people in the world <laughs> that may have happened to, to really, come across it. Right. So really, it's not like we're speaking at an event and 200 people were sitting there waiting for us. Well, and that's my point, is yeah. that you sometimes get very focused like, oh yeah, this is the most important thing. Yes. And I have a hard time separating between we are going in front of an audience of 250 people to talk versus there may be three people on Facebook right now waiting for us to answer a question. And I have a hard time separating those two ideas. This really wasn't that big of a deal. Well, not at all. We I mean, not that we made it up. Like So basically, sorry, you keep go ahead. Talking over me. We, we made it up, meaning we decided to do it. Nobody asked us to. We were the ones, it wasn't like some big thing that people had to sign up for. And like you said, nobody was necessarily waiting for us. I mean, maybe a few people, but that's the, the, the whole point of me saying this is that this can be, it, you can become more focused on productivity and needs that need to be met for other people versus what's happening in the present moment. Correct. And in the present moment, you were... And and again, we need to back up a little bit and say you had been traveling for four days. You were still having – you were still reintegrating into the family system, which we've talked about this on the show a million times. This isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. This is a normal thing that when – for those of you that travel, men or women, you know how it feels when you come home. You have to like reintegrate. No matter how much you travel, there's like a, a short period of time. So Todd's still reintegrating. I'm having a hard day, and then for 
him to be more focused on doing a 10-minute Facebook Live thing that is not an essential element, it's it's hard to it, it's hard to I don't want to say wake you up because that sounds condescending. It's hard to help to say to you this isn't important mm-hmm. without sounding that like I don't care about work because right. I do. Right. But it's what's more important Prioritization. right now. Prioritizing. Right. So um, so I feel like you gave that good background. So then it's like 1240 and you're like, you know, I feel good enough. Let's do this. And then I'm like, I don't because I feel for for the listeners out there, one of the things that I truly believe in, and hopefully this comes out sounding the right way, is men, most men, uh, just want to please their wife. And I wanted, and I felt like I wasn't doing a good job supporting you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, let's just do it. And I'm like, I can't do it now. Like it's, I feel bad. I felt shame filled. I felt guilty because I chose this over our relationship, mm-hmm. over our ability to connect. And I felt really bad about it. So through a long discussion. I mean, we were there probably another 45 minutes mm-hmm. just kind of processing this both from my end and from your end. And it was a challenge. And we we traveled back into child because you're saying, listen, I am a, there's a part of me that's like a seven-year-old girl here and just needs to be. Right. So basically what, <laughs> what, Todd, and this is this is very normal for both men and women. But what Todd kept saying is how how do we keep these kind of things from happening yes, again? I don't want to have to go through these heavy discussions. Right. Weigh so heavy on me. So he's like, how do how do I know that this won't be happening again? Right. How do I know Sorry. that this is not? How do I avoid this in the future? And how do I know when you need to connect and when? And my what I was trying to explain to him is you can't avoid it. You have to be present for what's happening. This is not a template where you check off boxes and you say, okay, I did A, B, and C. Because just to give even more background, he got home and he said, let's go to – or maybe it was my idea, but let's go to dinner for like an hour um, the night before so we can kind of reconnect. And that is great. And we kind of did, but we had like four days to catch up on. And then we had to come home and do the whole parenting thing again. So it was kind of good. But I think sometimes in your mind, you're like, I I asked you to dinner. We had the hour. We're back. Mm -hmm. And it's a feeling thing, not a checking the boxes thing. It's not a, I did that, so I shouldn't have to deal with this anymore. And then taking responsibility for myself, that this has nothing to do with Todd. The experience that I was having was a very childlike experience where I felt really small and I felt unseen and I felt really uncomfortable in my own skin. For clarity, so this was what you're describing is not what was going on between you and I. This was your own separate thing that was making you feel heavy. Correct. And so why that's important to understand is that the person who's feeling that is not necessarily my 44-year-old confident self. It's like a piece of me that's that always feel small. We all have all of these pieces of us um, that from childhood or from a time in our life um, where they continue to speak up. And the question is, do we listen to them? And sometimes they just get a little loud Mm -hmm. and it's hard to differentiate present time from history. And, you know, it's kind of like every age you've ever been, you still have in your body. You know, Mm -hmm. there's still a 22-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 16-year-old. And sometimes they – and if you're not aware of that, they can sometimes take over your life. Yeah. Um, But I was really – I was very conscious that the feeling I was having was very childlike, which necessitated even more vulnerability from me and more support from you because yeah. I was like, I'm very uncomfortable and I don't like having these feelings. And so for me to be like saying these things to you, even though they didn't have anything to do with you initially, and then for you to be like, we're done, mm-hmm. felt very, you know, I'm going to use the word scary because you feel like, oh my God, I just shared all these things and he thinks I am small. Like, you know, like that I had a small, that I was being small-minded. And what I was seeing, and my issue is I need to tap into the feeling because I was not observing you as a seven-year-old girl who was looking for support. Because to your point, we all have these children inside of us. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I was looking at you as a 44 year old confident woman. And that was kind of my own inadequate inadequacies of perceiving a situation. Like I thought we were done. I really did. And you don't have a sign on your forehead telling me I'm s still process processing this and I continue to need your support in this moment. So I completely misread you. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. that happens. It doesn't happen to us. Maybe often. once every couple months. Yeah. And, and from my perspective, I feel shame. I feel bad about myself. I feel like I'm not doing my job as far as being able to understand your feelings. And we kind of looked at that in a little, in a separate way of like, how did that get to be? Well, because what I always say is anytime I tell to give Todd feedback about like, oh, I'm feeling like you're not understanding or you're not hearing me, he goes right to go, he goes right to, oh, I disappointed you. Mm -hmm. And while I understand and I appreciate the fact that he can at least feel that like disconnection, that's not my intention. I'm not trying to bring him to his knees and trying I'm doing to make that. right. I my intention is to say, "Hey, you can't hear me. Can you hold on so you can hear me?" And instead, he's like, "Oh, you're disappointed in me." He goes into child. Right. And what's can you describe my body language when that happens? Well, you get like small and you like put your head down and you say, "Well, now I can't do anything." Like I'm a 7-year-old boy. Yeah, he's like, "Now I'm done." So so your 7-year-old girl showed up first. <laughs> totally. And I was my 44-year-old self. Right. And then the minute I realized how hurt you were by my not connecting with you, I went into my child. Right. So now I'm a seven-year-old, and then you're like flipping back and forth between 44 and seven. Correct. That was funny. I really was because I had to like help. Like I was still sad about what I was sad about, but I had to help bring you back yeah. because I'm like, we're not going to be able to have this conversation unless you understand this isn't about you, yeah. that you don't need to be apologetic and go down to your knees about this. I need you to just kind of wake up a little bit. It, that's, that's, that's not what I said because saying that sounds not kind. I said, I need you to be able – I know. I said, I need you to be able to stand and listen to this so I can – so I can feel like we're reconnecting and that you're validating what I'm saying. Because if you go into child, you're not going to be able to hear this at all. No. And so then we're both we're both kids. Yeah, we're both children. Um, so it, and again, to some people, this is going to sound really wacky. It's all right. It is okay, and I know it's okay because we've learned how to do this over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Like these are not things that Todd and I knew how to talk about ten years ago, or even you know as been about 10 years we've been doing this but it's so interesting to recognize where you are in time and so interesting to recognize um how your partner's reacting to you based on their history yeah. so you discovered go ahead you discovered something so interesting. i think you may have asked a question or i said so i kind of went back like why is it that i want everybody to be happy. When somebody that I love is sad, like when you get sad, I feel really, really bad. And one, that doesn't help you at all. Not at all. Because then I can't get sad. Right. And what I, the awareness that I came up with through talking to you was that when I was a little kid, my mom, God bless her, rest in peace, uh, had plenty of moments where she was deeply sad. Mm -hmm. And when she was deeply sad, she would go into our living room and she would smoke cigarettes in the dark. And I knew when that was happening, I was, I knew my mom was not well. Like yes. she was- You knew things were not good. She was not in a good state of mind. Yeah. And as a seven-year-old boy, all you want is your parents to be happy. Right. You know, I've said this on the show. It's like, what, what does your kid want from you? Your kid wants you to be in a good mood. Yes. A healthy, good mute, yes. mood. When I was seven years old, all I wanted my mom and dad to be were, were in good moods. And most of the time, us adults are- in a bad mood because of something our kids are doing. Totally. Or we think it's or because. Or we think, right. It's really not. We're not carrying our baggage. So the so that was my awareness. Like, oh my gosh. So when you indicate that, uh, well, no. No, you left out the most important part. What is it? When you would see your mom mm -hmm. not in a good place and you would even, you even told me, you go, I would peek into the room Just, and she wouldn't be good and I would get the hell out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I would fly away. So I said- how interesting, because when I come to you and you can tell that I'm 
you know, sad mm. or feeling weighted down. Because anytime I get weighted down, it's usually historical stuff. Yeah. It's not really what's happening in present time. Rarely it's like ever. something from that's old. I said, as soon as you notice that I was weighted down, you listen the best you could, like holding on as hard as you could, and then you got the hell out of there. Yeah. And yeah. It's and a, I, I repeated that pattern. Yes. And so I was like, now what's interesting is that my history is when I notice that people are struggling, I go into that room and absorb everything they're feeling yeah. and then walk out really heavy and overwhelmed. That's not healthy either. Yeah. I'm not saying I did the good thing, yeah. Todd did the bad thing. Neither of them are healthy. Right. There's like this place in between where if I see someone struggling, I go to them, I grab their hands, I like absorb everything they're feeling. And I don't do this anymore because that was making me sick. But that's the difference is I go toward it, yeah. you go away from well, it. And I would say that you did the feminine, the yes, nurturing, yes. let me take away your pain. And I got the heck out of there. And I felt like I had done a good enough job Friday morning to give you a back rub and to listen, be an intentional listener. And then maybe when I realized it wasn't working, I had to bolt. And maybe the Facebook live thing was my vehicle to bolt. You're like, oh, good. I have an out. I have something. And here's the thing that, that might be helpful to men and women, depending who you are in the situation, because again, there are some uh, relationships that are, you know, non-traditional, like the man is the one who goes toward and the woman pulls away. So let me just give this information. When someone is having something like a traumatic experience or a hard time for some reason, and they need to maybe talk about it and say it out loud. That's good. And if you can listen to that, that's wonderful. But most of the time, it's not resolved immediately, meaning that it needs to run its course Mm. through your body, through the day, through you need to kind of recalibrate. And it sometimes takes some time to get back to your, you know, to like a grounded place. I'm not saying it takes months and months. I'm saying it may just take a day or it may take three or four hours. It depends on the person and it depends on what's going on. But I say that because I had a girlfriend a couple of weeks ago who had a very similar experience that something happened to her um, that was a little bit surprising and challenging and it was a little bit of a blow to her you know, ego too. And she, we talked about it and she kind of felt better. And then a day or two ago, we talked – or a day or two later, we talked on the phone and she's like, I still don't feel better. Mm-hmm. And the language I gave to her was it hasn't run its course. Mm -hmm. It's still – there's still some things you need to realize. There's still some things you need to release. And and it will. It will run its course. Trust it. Trust that. And she – you know, after we talked it through again, and I think she talked it over with her husband, and it wasn't just me that she was talking with. She felt a day or two later after that, like, now I'm okay. But I'm telling everybody this because things don't resolve like that. You know, grief is a very specific uh, feeling and experience where grief can go on for long periods of time. But other little issues that we have in our life, sometimes I think as a partner, we think, oh, I talked about it for 10 minutes. I did my job. I'm out of here. And sometimes people need to talk about it again. And they may even say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. I think that within this understanding, there is a... um, there is a spectrum mm-hmm. because some people keep talking about the same stories that they were talking about 20 years ago. Yes. Okay. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm talking about you have a bad experience one day and in the morning you have the experience and you talk about it and that night you may still be feeling it. Yeah. And that's normal. And so for partners who feel like, well, I already talked to her or him about this, they should be over it. Allow them the space to let it run its course. And the tricky part is finding out where that sweet spot is because if it's 20 years later, yeah, I think that person has some. But this last thing of heaviness that you've been dealing with, it's been going on for more than a day. Well, but I'm all right now. I know you are. Right. I'm talking, you know, the subject matter has been... Well, it, it hasn't been continuous though, Todd. Correct. It, it's been like, I'll have an, itch, yes. an issue. And when I look at that, when I look at a repeated pattern of like something happens and I have an experience and it's hard and then a few days later I'm fine and then it happens again, I realize there's something bigger yeah, in there's it. There's another reminder. I'm getting pushed in a certain direction, which I think I'm figuring out what that means for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry to be so elusive, everybody, but it just involves too many people. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to keep it to myself. Um, so so I kind of feel like that's my work and my personal responsibility to say, why does this stuff or similar issue keep bothering me? 
you know, and that's my work. That's not Todd's job to figure that out. Mm-hmm. He's just the, my support system of at least allowing me to have that space to be sad. Create the space. Create the space and be the uh, a person who can stand their ground and just hear it and not feel the need to fix it or, you know, offer advice unless I'm asking for it, well, of course. As you're saying that, that reminds me of the story that I told on this podcast the night my mom passed away. I was a basket case and kind of wailing and all that. And talk about somebody who held that space for me because you could have tried to coddle me, which I absolutely didn't want. You could have ran away because you were uncomfortable because you probably had never seen me react like that. Mm -hmm. You just laid there. You gave me that space. So it's funny because when you're describing that, you're basically describing exactly how you dealt with it that night when I was with... in my grief. Well, thank you for saying that. And I, I'm glad that that was helpful. And I also want to say that that is exactly what our kids want. Yeah. See, this experience that Todd and I are sharing with you guys, it, you know, it's not just about us. It's an example of what do our kids want when they come to us with their issues. Can my parents stand their ground and hold the space for what I'm saying? Or are they going to fix it, try and make it go to it, go away and say, okay, we're done with this now. Mm-hmm. I, I hear parents say, don't bring this up again. Oh, my God. That's like the unhealthiest thing you could ever say. Absolutely. Like, you know. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it again. We've already discussed it. Don't bring it up. And kids don't have. Who else do they have? We don't have it. We don't have. How can we ask them to have it? I know. We and and it doesn't mean that we are a dumping ground for our kids. What it means is don't think it's your problem to fix. Like. My daughter, my youngest daughter today doesn't feel good. So since this morning when she woke up, all I've been hearing is, I don't feel good. (laughs) I have icky mouth. My comment to her is, I'm so sorry. Yeah. How, what can I do to support you? Yeah. Okay, go do that. Okay, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm not trying to tell her why she's sick. I'm not trying to tell her what's going to happen tomorrow. You're not telling her why she got sick. No. Like maybe she stayed up too late the night before. Throw some guilt in there. And and how would I know? And she keeps walking around telling me, giving me <laughs> updates about how she's feeling. And I'm like, great. Or, ooh, that's too bad. Yeah. It is not mine to fix who I am for her is the person that she can bounce these ideas off of to reconfirm her own feelings. Do you remember there was a TV show and you made me watch the last segment of it because it's so powerful for you? And it was like some older people in a hospital room or something like that. And the whole um, point was don't leave the room. Do you remember that? Oh, God, that sounds so familiar. And I looked at it. I'm like, so you don't want me to leave the room? You're like, no. <laughs> That is not what that scene meant. What was that? It meant be there. Just be there. Just be there. Don't leave the room. Like, so if we could go back in time and we can't and the conversation we had was perfect as it was, I wouldn't change a thing because it really helped me kind of take some responsibility and see things differently. And we both had kind of these like breakthrough awarenesses of how we deal with things. So it was very healthy. But if we could go back in time because... If I'm in that kitchen and I'm still blabbing, blabbing, and I know, Todd, that sometimes the way I feel about things or the way I talk about them can be repetitive and you know that I know better, mm-hmm. meaning cognitively- 44-year-old woman 44 knows how to year deal with woman, this, but you're not in 44-year-old woman mode. Correct. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is that, of course I know, and I teach people how to deal with these feelings, and I know what the right thing to do is, but- Feeling is not cognition, meaning I need I need help applying my knowledge in this situation today. The more I practice that, the more you are present for it and you stay, um, the, the less it's going to happen, A, and then B, if it does happen again, it, it'll be a shorter lag time. I'm going to get better at it because I already know I'm better at it because sure. these things used to go on for weeks and months and now it only takes 45 minutes. So I already know... But, you know, again, going back in time in the kitchen, all I needed to do was just keep saying it and have you – and I, it's so easy, like, for you guys who are like, well, then what do we say? All you have to be – all you have to say is like, yeah, I hear you. you what you're saying and seeing, I see it too. Mm-hmm. Or if I could have gone back in time, which we can't, mm-hmm. but if I could, all I would have had to say – uh huh. Oh yes, yes. I will be back. But be more specific because that's a that's a quote. You... I well, and that's a John Gray quote. And what that means is, guys, if you can't deal with it when your wife goes nutty bird, or is, I wasn't going nutty bird. <laughs> I'm just trying to be bring some levity to it. Got it. it. Okay. Um, 
and you can't handle it. Right. First of all, the mature masculine should be able to handle it. Like mature, mature, the masculine, the healthy masculine is not somebody who overpowers somebody. Right. The healthy masculine is to sit in the tornado. Yeah. That is your wife's state of being. Emotions. Emotions. Because it's not she's a tornado. No. You don't make somebody their emotions. In this moment, they are having an emotional experience. And tornado is a metaphor I use because um, you can either run away or you can give the tornado the energy that it's giving to you and you fire back at her or you sit in it with peace and compassion and love. And just to help the metaphor, yeah. because a lot of people would say, well, I'm going to run from a tornado. Don't get in the tornado. Mm-hmm. Stand outside of it. Yeah. Like you don't have to go into the eye of the storm. Right. You just stand outside of it and allow the spinning, mm-hmm. but be that safe space so that they can grab you. Yeah. And slow themselves down. And they may not be grabbing you literally with their hand, but the more that you listen, they are they are pulling from your stability mm-hmm. to slow themselves down. Well, and I think the last thing I want to say about this is people are so kind and nice and they have this perception that you and I are always in a good mood or that we are always, you know, we have the perfect marriage where we don't have these moments of heaviness and you know we're we've decided to dedicate this podcast to the subject matter just to kind of normalize like this is why our marriage is healthy right because we have we don't run away from these heavy moments and i think a lot of relationships sometimes do and then they're like oh i just can't connect with that person but this is the work right and and what i know for sure is the most important thing for me in my life or my relationships so they come before doing a Facebook Live thing, yeah. and they come before anything else, meaning I'm not going to continue on right now until we process this through. Now, to Todd's point from before, he didn't get all the way through it, the I'll be back. Yeah. What he means by that, because it's, it, you know, if you just said to someone, I'll be back, if you were to say, I can tell you're not done talking about this, yeah. but let's put a pin in it do this Facebook Live thing and come back to it. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like I was crying. Yeah. I was just upset and kind of angry. If I was sobbing, saying, yeah. let's put a pin in this. Right. you know. But you were like, let, I know you're not done, mm-hmm. but let's do take a break because, or the girls are coming upstairs or because we got to go on to the next thing. But I know you still need to talk about this. That's what it means yeah. to say, I'll be back. Yeah. I'm not running away from the conversation, but because we have three kids here right now, mm-hmm. or because we have to do this show, we can't finish it right now because that I can hear and respect and understand. Because yeah. what you're saying is, I still see, but I'm I let's do this in privacy. Right. And we were lucky enough that it was the mid middle of the day, so we were able to. And then the thing that you said about you know dedicating the show, I'm not I don't like to on the show throw out our. Um, Dirty laundry. Dirty laundry and say, oh, see, Todd and I fix things. And we, I don't, that's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I think that it is universal in how we relate to everybody, not just our marriage, but the ability with our children to have a similar conversation. Like if your child is coming to you and they're angry and they're upset and they, and we keep walking away from it and saying, well, if you're not going to talk to me, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave instead of being able to be like, I see you're upset. I could, you may not want to talk about it now, but just know that I can have this conversation. Yeah. Or if you want to share something with me, you know, just know I'm here. Right. And so it's how can we take this information that Todd and I have been sharing for this last 45 minutes and apply it in our other relationships? And what's beautiful. Uh, the language that you know Harville Hendricks and Gary Zukov and a lot of other teachers use about spiritual partnership is spiritual partnership is about developing that muscle with each other. Yeah. So then you can take it out into the world. Yeah. So if Todd and I learn how to communicate better between the two of us, we then have skills to use with our children, to use at work, to use with our best friends, to use with our parents. So spiritual partnership is growing each other the hell up. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like grow up right now, not in that mean way. But like you're seven right now. So let's help each other grow up a little bit and and see each other more clearly because it's not easy. No, it's not. It's uncomfortable. Well, and the last thing I'll say is I've been doing, you know, what I think is some good, solid personal work to improve my relationships and to improve myself. And 
I've never put the I have never connected the dots to me kind of wanting to get out of there mm-hmm. to my mom. Isn't that interesting? So talk about the constant peeling of the onion. Like you're never done. And that is such a valuable point because those of you who I talk about the Alanis Morissette podcast all the time, um, and it's not just her, but a lot of people who her all of her guests are very focused on how relationships are actually what grow us up. It's the relational component of self awareness. How do we take our self awareness into the real world? And that's what I'm most focused on too, which is why why I like her show. It's great to have a lot of information about, oh, this is what self-awareness is, and oh, now I understand myself. But how do you then deal with that with another person? Mm -hmm. How do you bring that into – how do you allow your relationships to evolve you? Because it's great to have information and to walk around saying, I'm a happy person, and I'm optimistic, and I'm this and that. But how – does that show up then in your relationships, or is that just you as a standalone? Because – you and I together and other couples and and us with our children, that is such an opportunity yeah. to, in your words, continue to peel the onion or to really understand how to relate to people. Yeah, your spouse and your ki- your children and your parents. I mean, those are your best teachers about sure. yourself. For sure. Ram Dass's quote, remember? Say it. I think it's something like, you think you're self-aware, go back and live with your parents for a few weeks. Right. Yeah, go. Yeah, there's that said many different ways because you're right. And also, just, you know, you think you're all, you know, conscious and content and then go home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Can you apply exactly what you think you know? Mm -hmm. And again, I'm using the word specifically think you know, because I know a lot of people, and I'm sure you guys do too, who love to talk the talk Mm -hmm. and they love to say how much they know and they tell me all their quotes and they do all these things. And I love that. I'm very supportive of that because that's the beginning. Right. But the truth of it is, it's not the quotes. You've got to live it. You have got to practice what you preach. You have got to walk the talk. And that is not easy. And that is, I think, the biggest message is can you be comfortable with the discomfort of getting to know yourself? Because when you're reading a self-help book, it feels pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, Oh, I can't wait to share this and I can't and I've been that person. Yeah. So I'm I'm calling myself out too. Yeah. But over the years, it's become more real. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, now I understand that the healing comes in relationship with others. And experience and practice. Yes. Not in regurgitating something that we say or something that they read. Yes. And to your point, I've been that. I've, I've I have too. I've given more Eckhart Tolle quotes. <laughs> People are like, okay, okay, I, Todd, I get it. Got it. Same. I get it. We've both done it, and I will probably do it again. Yep. You know, it's not. That's the thing. It's a practice, and the the most important thing that Todd and I think that we got from the conversation is when he kept saying, "How do we keep this from happening again?" I said, "You can't. Can you be present with the fact that I may, in two months from now, have another really tough day, and that we're going to have to have another conversation like this? Not because you did something wrong, yeah, but because we want to reconnect. That's the thing is, I don't come at Todd saying you need to change. No, I'm coming at him saying I'm struggling. Help me. Yeah, pull me out of this hole. And sometimes my words aren't like that." But that's what I hope he understands. And the tricky part is, to your point, like I'm, I I don't have such a keen sense of of empathizing or picking up on where somebody is. Yeah. And there's, like I said, there's no sign on your forehead that says I'm in seven year old girl mode right now. <laughs> so it takes you need to be aware. Yeah. And that's not easy. And many, many, many times I am not. It's presence yeah. and emotion versus productivity and what's going to happen next. Because if you, because once you were listening to me, you were feeling it completely. But when you were in off to the next thing mode, and that is why you guys, we always say with our kids, when we're on autopilot, they don't feel us Mm -hmm. because we will say, well, I'm with my kid all day. I drove them here. I drove them there. But if you're on autopilot, they don't even know you're there. They may see your body driving the car, but they're like, my mom and dad are not present with me. Like the phone. Like they'll be talking to us and I'll be like checking my phone. Yes. Those kids. And forget about like an eight-year-old or a 13-year-old, a two-year-old yes. feels it, has a clearer path of energy feeling than the eight or the 13-year-old does. Absolutely. And, you know, 
talk about presence on this show. That's what it's all about. One of the one uh, trick, it's not even a trick. That's the wrong word. But it, I call it a trick in my brain because it helps me so much is um, when my girls come and talk to me, and you're going to laugh because you probably notice I do this all the time. When they start to tell me something, I first put my arms out and give them a hug mm. because me hugging them either before or after the conversation brings me back to present time. Yeah. So that, and not only that, but especially for my daughter who's so physical, meaning that that's her her love language, it really helps her relax and be a little more vulnerable. Like when when someone's hugging you, you are much more likely to talk to them. We had a uh, European vacation moment. And when I say European vacation moment, there's that scene on the train where uh-huh. everybody's annoyed at everybody. Right, right, right. And this was like maybe a month ago. But we talked about it on the show. I think we had another one since then. Oh, really? Though. And w- what we, everybody was mad at everybody. Yeah. It was just really funny. What, were we in the car? No, we were, we were in the living room. Okay. And then at the very end, I don't even remember what it was about, but at the very end, we're all hugging. We all have to hug each other. Yeah, I did in that. In order to, yes. So we, I hugged all four. <laughs> you hugged all four. Skylar hugged all four. But I think the most tension was between middle and oldest yes, child. and they did it. And we said, we're not closing this meeting, <laughs> this family meeting until... And, they, and then we laughed about it. We like, did. We were laughing the whole time. I Because we had, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I came downstairs. It was right before dinner. Yeah. And I said, before we eat, yeah. every person is going around and hugging everybody else. And I was funny about it. Mm. I wasn't like being yeah, strict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, I'm coming to hug you. Yeah. And they were like, no. And I said, I'm doing it. But every hug and touch dissipates mm-hmm. that anger. And it became, so by the time it got to the two of them, mm-hmm. they did the back hug. Yeah. You know, they came up from behind, but they did. And we sat down and had a great dinner. So the message in that is you're going to have arguments. You're going to have times when you're annoyed at each other, just like the conversation Todd and I are having today. You're going to have times where you're not meeting each other, where you're not understanding each other. But the key is keep going. Maybe you can't in that moment. You're too angry or you need some space. Do what you need. Practice self-care. But then don't say, well, that's it then. Mm -hmm. You know, they just get, they get mad. You know, like I said, when you know, I think the thing that Todd and I have figured out about each other and about our family is the two most important things are our relationships, all of us, and staying connected. If you know those two things are the most important, then everything else falls away. Then it doesn't matter if they got a B on their test instead of an A or a D instead of a C or their room is a mess or all these things that us parents get all worked up over. I always go back, I don't know if it's a John Duffy thing, I don't know where we found it, but it's whenever you're having these experiences with your children, parents, and I believe me, we have them too, where you just kind of pulling your hair out, go at it with a sense of connection in the relationship. In the relationship, yeah. And everything else, to your point, falls by the wayside. And the thing is, people will say, that doesn't work. And I'll say, have you tried it? Because what happens when you dissipate the anger with connection and relationship, then there's a vulnerability that can get through. You have open space for a conversation. You have created an opportunity for humor. Everything changes. It's a dynamic that shifts that is mysterious. I can't explain how or why it happens except to let you know it does. And so when people talk about conscious parenting or when they talk and they say, oh, you know, have a conversation with them. And people are like, that's permissive. Not when you bring a feeling of what's most important to me is connecting with you right. because then your kid trusts that they are safe or your partner trusts or your coworker trusts. You, this is universal. This is not just parenting. This is not just marriage. This is friendship. This is work. And it's really lovely practice. I'm trying to find that quote. It was on Facebook and it was something about the kid who, um, maybe you remember it, the kid who just screwed up and needs help. Is the one who needs it most of all. Is the one that needs it most of all. Do you remember how how that one went? I don't remember the specific one, but the point Todd is trying to make is the kid who has just been disrespectful to you or has had a tough day or kicked their brother or done whatever is the one who's needing your love and space the most. The kid who nothing really happened that day, it's great for them to get your love too, but they're probably in an okay place. The kid who's really struggling is the one who doesn't need to be put in their room alone. They're the ones who need 
a connection. Kids who kids need your love the most when they deserve it the least. Mm, nice. When you think they deserve it. Yeah. See, and I'm yeah, going to yeah, play yeah. with those words. Right, but because, it's a quick Facebook. But yes, right. to your point. All kids deserve your love. But uh, that's one of the more profound quotes I've come across in a long time mm -hmm. because that's when we least want to give it. And that's the thing is that's those are the emotions we at least want to. The reason we don't want to work with those emotions and experience those emotions is we don't want to know our own. Yeah. So this goes back to the whole thing that Zen parenting is about is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding is if you can deal with your own anger and you know what sadness feels like and you know your own self, then you can deal with other people's feelings. If yours are repressed and you don't understand yourself and you don't even know what you're feeling, then when a kid comes at you with anger or sadness or frustration, you can't deal with it mm -hmm. because you don't even know what it is. Right. The confusion comes from inside of you. So do you see, this is a full circle. Well, and here's the thing. We are the parents. We are the ones with the prefrontal cortex that has been developed. Highly functioning. And brains. a lot of us parents think that our kids should have this. And they don't mm -hmm. because their brain makeup simply hasn't yet been developed. It's developing. It is our responsibility as moms and dads to be able to whatever, take the high road, to give love when it's, when it's the hardest to give, mm -hmm. all that stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so much for my other ideas about the show. I think it's fine. Um, our second partner is John J. Kelly, Comprehensive Dentistry. Listen, if you live in the Chicagoland area and you have kids that are going into the brace uh, part of their orthodontics, orthodontics uh, call John Kelly. He will help you out. Believe me. Uh, ChicagoDentistOnline.com. And then our third partner is Jeremy Kraft, that bald-headed beauty. He is building you an office. He is. I'm so excited. So painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, avidco.net. Yeah. And sorry, listeners, questions. We just don't seem to get to them. Maybe we'll do a special show on listeners' sure. questions. Maybe for Friday or something. Okay. Yeah. I got to travel this week. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe the next show. Friday. Yeah. So we'll we have to reconnect again after you travel this week? Yes. My <sighs> I love traveling. I know. I it's, don't. It's okay. I know you don't, but it's okay. We can do it. We do it all the time. I know. I know. Um, all right. So where's my, my outro music? Where are you? There we are. Um, words of wisdom. We've just given words of wisdom. I was going to say, do I really have to say more? Um, keep trucking. Thank you all for listening. And you're awesome. Yeah. Have a great week. And we appreciate you very much. True that. Bye. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, one of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZU. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking.